Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 22nd of January 2023. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Richard's continuing our series looking at lessons from Joshua and he looked at in Rahab's house. The reading is Joshua chapter 2, so we'll join Richard as he's introducing the service. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Just a few notices um, as we start this morning. Uh, You'll find most of them uh, in the notice sheets. Uh, If you were here last week, you'll know um, Paul was here speaking about compassion. We still have some uh, profiles available if anyone would like um, to find out more. Uh, Come and speak to myself or Paul. Um, And if you did take one of these home last week and discovered it wasn't your details or someone else's details were in them, could you let us know uh, as soon as possible, please? Uh, We have a newcomer's lunch as well in... I want to say two weeks' time. I'm just, yep, two weeks' time. So if you are new to the church, uh, it'd be lovely to join together and we'll share lunch after the service on the 5th of February. Um, And if you'd like to know more, please do speak to Paul or myself. Uh, You'll see in the notice sheet that uh, Edith McLaren's, uh, or the celebration service for Edith McLaren uh, is on the 3rd of uh, February as well at 2 o'clock here. It'd be lovely to join with us as we celebrate her life. Shall we pray as we start this morning? Father, we come this morning as your people. Father, we come, no matter what the world has been doing around us, what's been going on, we come and turn ourselves towards you. Father, help us to focus on you this morning. And we pray that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. These past few weeks and the last three Sundays, we have seen the most amazing rainbows as we've driven here. And I said to Paul, every day we come to church, we see a rainbow. And he said, oh, that's because it's raining. (laughs) But um, I've... Find that going into this new year is quite a poignant time, and I'd just like us to concentrate to just um, to think about this new covenant that God has brought us into, about our God who keeps His promises, and this new covenant of love that He has brought us into, this new covenant that He's is in His blood, and um, as we start, um, if you could put the words for Psalm 136. If I, yeah, if I say um, the, the first bit, and if, if each time you could respond, his love endures forever. And I'd like to say it as if we're an army that we are proclaiming to the principalities and powers around that his love endures forever. Okay, so if, you, if you'd like to stand... And, uh, and then we'll go into, straight into, um, and can it be, the great Charles Wesley hymn, and if we could have the offering uh, at the same time. Okay. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders, who by his understanding made the heavens, 
who spread out the earth upon the waters. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Strength will rise. to a time of intercessory prayer where we speak to God about the world around us. So let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you that we are free to gather as your people, free to come and worship you, free to love you. Father, we thank you for your love for us. A love that transforms us and changes us and makes us new. Father, we lift up to you this morning those in our own church family who are unwell. Father, who need our prayers and need to know your healing touch. Father, would you be with them, we pray. Father, we lift up to you those who are grieving. Father, would you be a comforter, a shelter, a loving embrace. Father, we pray for this your church as well, that we would continue to seek to follow you in all that we do. Help us, Lord, to seek you, we pray. Father, we think of the turmoil that seems to be going on in the world around us. Father, we pray for peace to break out. Father, we pray for weapons to be cast down. Father, we pray for good governance in parts of the world where it's sorely lacking. Father, we pray for relief from hunger and famine and drought and storm. Father, we pray that you would be in those situations, that you would be present for those who know you and for those who don't. Father, we pray that you would be ever-present in our lives as we know you will be. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I think, Julia, uh, we're going to have our reading.
When I told Zoe, oh, said Daisy, what are you doing up there? <laughs> yeah. When I said to Zoe I'm going to be reading this uh, reading, she said, oh, it's a good read. So uh, those that have ears, let them hear, listen to this one. I'll try not to make any mistakes, which is of my usual way. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shechem. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch them up. But she had taken them onto the roof and hidden them underneath the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gates were shut. Before the, star, the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and, you have a, you, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Shion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will give, that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives. The men assured her, if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully. When the Lord gives us the, the land, so she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, go to the hills, 
so that the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there for three days until I return, until they return, and then go your way. The men said to her, This oath you have made us swear will not be binding on you, on us, unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you have let us down. Unless you have bought your father and mother, your brothers and your mother and, uh, and family into this house. If anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on your head, his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head. If the hand is laid upon him, but if you tell what we are doing, we will, not, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you said. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. When the two men started back, they went down out of the hills, forded the river, and, be and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the land, the whole land, into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. Preach a good sermon, lad. That's a good story. <laughs> Thanks, Julian. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you that it speaks to us even through all these thousands of years. Father, we pray that you would speak to us through it now. Amen. While at university, I was uh, in the Army Reserve, which meant I spent a lot of time traipsing around woods and sort of fields, getting wet and cold. But one thing I was taught was how to do a reconnaissance on somebody or something. And apart from usually requiring us to be walking around in the dark, trying not to fall over too many things and fall in swamps, there was absolutely one key requirement of doing a reconnaissance. Don't let anyone know you've been there looking at them or that you're there in the first place. So, hence, they always took place, usually about three o'clock in the morning, as we tried desperately not to get lost. <laughs> Yet in this story, we see the picture of some spies who don't appear to have learnt this lesson. I can only describe them as incompetent, feels a fair assessment. The spies sent out by Joshua to spy on the town of Jericho fail this very crucial first step. Their existence in the town is discovered and their purpose in the town is known. The authorities are very aware they're here to spy on them. Not only that do they just know they're there, they even know where they're staying. 
So I think it's fair to chalk this up as a loss in the spying game. And then we have the fact of what do they actually do while they're there. At no point in the text do we get any indication they've actually bothered to look at any of the defences or the walls. The key bits, really, that you want to look at when you're spying on someone. I have to admit, as I was reading this, and it might only be because I saw it over uh, Christmas, but I was getting the impression of Johnny English, which some of you may have seen. A spy who is incredibly incompetent yet somehow still manages to get saved by his uh, accomplices, who are much more competent. Or even the uh, spies, who, the SOE spies, who were dropped into France at the start of the Second World War, who barely spoke a word of French. They didn't last all that long. There really is almost a comedic element to this story. There's a tension that's just present throughout. Time and time again, we're going, are they going to be caught? Are they going to find out anything useful? Will they escape? And I think if the answer was, if they'd be left to their own devices, the answer would be no. You're riding to the rescue, appears someone very unexpected. Rahab, a prostitute, comes swooping in to save them from their own ineptitude. Not really who we expect to be at work here in this story, is it? A great personal risk to herself and her family. She lies to the soldiers when they come looking for the spies. They are sure are in the city, that they know are in the city. Now there's always this question going, why on earth are the spies in Rahab's face in the first place? The suggestion seems to be that it was some sort of early hotel. I think hotel might be stretching it a bit for the time period. But somewhere visitors to the town would stay. So a natural place to go and stay when you're visiting. Also, on the other side, probably a natural place to look for the spies. Yeah, there is something amazing happening here. Rahab herself has no need to protect the Israelites who are hiding in a house, does she? Surely the, it would have been much easier for her to say, oh yeah, they're just, just in the back. Sorry, didn't know who they were. How about them? She could quite easily have led the soldiers to their hiding place. Yet something stops her. And we see what that reason is. She is able to recognise something absolutely crucial. That God always wins. She recounts to the spies the story of the Exodus. Of how he split the Red Sea. Defeated Pharaoh's armies. Of the way that time and time again God overcame what seemed like insurmountable odds to save his people. They've obviously heard through the grapevine of sort of merchants travelling of how God destroyed Sihon and Og. Examples that God's power is absolute. And in this moment, something amazing happens. Something that if it happened today, we would celebrate. Rahab accepts God as her 
God. Now this seems amazing enough, but it also tells us something else wonderful. Many of you will know that in the uh, sort of time just after Jesus' crucifixion, in the book of Acts, there were big arguments between uh, Peter and Paul about whether Jesus was just for the Jews or the Gentiles as well. And ultimately that argument would come down to say it's for all. And in this passage we have proof of that. Proof that God's redemption has always been for all. Rahab, a Canaanite, the one they're going to come and invade, is welcomed into the fold of believers by accepting God into her life. She's seen the wonderful redemptive acts of God and received salvation. And now as a result become one of the people of God. God's wonderful, amazing power is for everyone. But when he promises to redeem us and save us, it is for everyone who accepts him. It's an offer that's still open to us today. That if we simply turn and ask Jesus into our lives, we are saved and transformed. Rahab has great faith in God. She's able to get assurances of her and her family's safety for when the inevitable attack happens. She must have been very sure, I think, of the outcome. She didn't seem to have much doubt that actually the Israelites might not win. She's absolutely convinced that God would be successful. You dread to think what would happen to her if her role was ever discovered. I suspect it wasn't the friend, wouldn't have been the friendliest of responses. It's also amazing, though, to think just how reliant on Rahab the spies were. They were, you would imagine, dependent on her for food, water, and even more than that, quite simply, their very lives. This got me thinking about how reliant or otherwise we are or are not on God. It seems to me that often we prefer to reach for our own solutions to problems rather than towards God's solutions. When we stop and think about it though, our entire lives rest on God, don't they? We are here because he created us. He created the universe. He's always been there. He's there before time began. Even as we know this, though, that God is a provider and cares for us, we often, so often do choose to look to someone or something else for our needs. That doesn't seem to be on does it? Joshua, at the start of this chapter, sends out spies into a land that God has promised to the Israelites. He has a confidence in God. 
that no matter what the obstacles are, which seem quite big, that his people will face, the word of the Lord will come true. It's what causes Rahab to, walk, to turn towards God. And it gives Joshua the confidence to carry on with the mission he has been given by God. They rely on God for all things. Even as the spies are inept, they are still ultimately part of God's plan. And the ultimate success the Israelites have in claiming the land. Now I think this is some good news. That we see these wonderfully inept spies still ultimately being successful. So there's good news for us. No matter how ill-equipped or inept you might feel, God still uses us in his plans that God's plan will still come true to, will still come to fruition. And that he will equip us to take our part in that plan. Question for you. Where do you not trust in God enough in your lives? Is there a point at which you just can't quite find the trust? But that trust runs out. This story is a wonderful example of trusting in God. Trusting in him to provide. Trusting him in all things. And recognizing that he is above all else. Let's turn to him who made us, to God. And recognize that he is all-powerful, that his plans always come true. And that in him we can trust. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you that you are a God of your word. Father, that your promises are always kept. Father, we thank you that you use us even when we don't feel up to it. That even when we don't feel like we are capable, you're still working through us. And Father, we pray that we would trust in you more and more. And that we would recognize your power and authority that transcends all else. Father, great are you. And Father, we thank you that you welcome each one of us into your family. Father, that you transform each one of our lives when we choose to accept you as our Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. To leave a comment, please go to minehead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening and I'll speak to you soon.